Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It's Tuesday, November 28th, and we're talking some White Sox baseball. We bring in White Sox reporter for MLB.com, Scott Merkin. Scott, thanks as always for taking the time, and um, I'll be a little bit of a thief right off the bat here. I was reading your mailbag questions on MLB.com and the fans with a lot of different questions on their minds. So I'm going to take one that I noticed right off the bat. It's two weeks till the winter meetings, and obviously the White Sox have plenty of young prospects. But maybe to accelerate the growth of the rebuild, if you will, could there be a big free agent name that could be coming to town? The fans mentioned maybe Manny Machado, or is that something that would not happen um, as imminent as some fans might think? Well, I think, first of all, White Sox fans, judging by the questions, have some great knowledge. And I think anyone who is doubtful that the Sox fans would accept the rebuild, which is one of the reasons I think they took a while to finally get to that full rebuild part, now have their answer. The Sox fans are embracing this and, and then some. They they probably study the prospects almost as much as Rick Hahn and Chris Getz and Nick Hostetler and Kenny Williams do. <laughs> so they're ready to go. I think the big free – first of all, I think the veteran who you know is helping the young guys right now is there, and that's Jose Abreu. He's, he's a key component. And I know people kind of, I don't know, maybe look away from the mentor quality in players because of the fact, as I've said before on the podcast, that you know, with StatCast and, and uh, Fangraphs and Baseball Reference and everything else, there's so many good stats you can, especially StatCast. I mean, StatCast has opened up so many different avenues for stats to qualify and quantify, you know, major leaguers. But I think there still is something to be said for the chemistry in the clubhouse, the fit, and guys who can, you know, make it easier for younger guys. And one of the things that Abreu has done is, you know, he's not only kind of the face of the team, he's the voice of the team. But you asked more about free agency, and, and there's going to be, I think, a few guys that are signed this year. I don't think they're going to be, you know, the big long-term names. These may be guys that they can sign and have for part of the season and flip, or maybe guys who they sign with an eye towards extending out if, you know, they perform well and they figure they do fit the window when the team is supposed to contend somewhere maybe in 19, more likely 2020. But, you know, the question that all Sox fans are pointing to that great free agent class of next offseason Manny Machado, you know, Bryce Harper, to name a few. And then I believe Nolan Arenado is the year after that. And, you know, I'll, I'll just go, like I said in that, in the answer to that question, Rick Hahn has said a number of times that when the time to spend is there, the money will be there, you know, so, and, and they know they watch the Cubs, they watch the Astros, they watch the Royals. You've got to finish off the rebuild. It's rare, if ever, 
that a rebuild exists solely on top young players. So you got to finish it off. They know there's going to be some spots they need to add and upgrade on. Now, does that mean they're going to go out and give a, a you know a huge contract to one player, or are they going to make some key spending in three or four different guys? And again, I think the champions prove that it's not always the biggest star, but it's kind of the right fit among the stars that kind of brings you the title. So yeah, in answer your question, I think there is going to be some additions this off season, but I think if you're pointing to more significant free agent additions, it's probably going into the 19th season and the 2018 off season for the White Sox. Yeah, Scott, and it's interesting too. You bring up uh, a good synergy right now, kind of between the fans and the front office that the fans have adopted this, this rebuild process and are being patient, which is a good sign. It certainly allows then the front office to not also then be impatient and maybe make moves that uh, would be too quick rather than giving the young players the time to develop. Do you get the sense with the Astros now winning the World Series and the way they went about things uh, with great draft picks and building up the team that way that there's more a sense with a team like the White Sox, like, hey, we can follow this model and this might be the way to go about it? Yeah, I think the Astros, and of course, you know, as much, I think they even admit this, even with the, you know, sort of sibling rivalry there is in Chicago. I mean, the Cubs obviously followed that same plan, right. and the Royals to some extent. You know, the Royals had that same core that they let develop together, play together, and win and kind of lose or lose together before they won together. And, and it's a good point you made, Darwin. The Sox have been great uh, through the first year, at least, of this rebuild about not pushing guys until they're absolutely ready. You know, I mean, there was a couple opportunities last year for. Lopez or Giolito to come up there, or you know maybe Moncada could have come up could have come up a week a month before he actually did, but you know they basically waited. I know Moncada they basically waited until they felt like he wasn't getting the right challenge anymore. Triple A Charlotte, so it was only natural to bring him up there. And now this year, I think is going to be the big season for all these guys in that Moncada is going to be the everyday second baseman from the first day of spring training. Giolito is going to be you know the two or three guy in the rotation. The same with Lopez. So there's going to be, you know, they've given them the chance to build. They've given them the chance to fail a little bit in the minor leagues, which is key. There's been some guys I've seen come up to the White Sox, maybe rushed a little bit, who were great talents. And they just, you know, I don't want to say they didn't handle failure at the big level, but they couldn't adjust once it started going south. So I think the Sox have done a great job. And like you said, the fan, they, they've mentioned a couple of times how the fans have been very supportive of what they're doing and understand the process as well as they do. Yeah, that's certainly important as part of the rebuild. With that said, though, I know fans are anxious to see Michael Kopech, Eloy Jimenez. When do we see those two guys? Now that we talked about patience, when do we actually see those guys now in terms of there's so much buzz, particularly around Jimenez as well? Yeah, you know, I think you know fans loved Jose Quintana when he was part of the White Sox rotation. I think fans, much like the White Sox, still look back and say, you know, man, how could we not win with Chris Sale and, and Jose Quintana at the top of the rotation? Valid question. The White Sox asked it themselves, and they eventually went to the rebuild to try and correct that issue. But in trading Jose Quintana, they got you know a monster prospect back in Eloy Jimenez. He's he's one of these guys who you know possibly along with Moncada or you know who knows who else emerges could be the guy that you end up building you know the Carlos Correa or the Anthony Rizzo or the Chris Bryant that you build the rebuild around. And I mean Jimenez, since I said this before, since he's been in Chicago, whether it's with the Cubs or with the White Sox, has done nothing but hits. He had a great winter league season, you know, that he just concluded a couple weeks ago. I think he's a little further off than Kopech. Kopech, you know, was lights out last year for Birmingham, finished the season with a couple starts at Charlotte. We'll start at Charlotte this year. I, I've heard that, you know, Kopech could be on the same path as Ronaldo Lopez was last year, where, you know, if he gets a month or so, or maybe a little more than that in Charlotte, comes up and becomes part of the rotation. You know, they're, they're not, again, this year, 
if they were to be competitive or win, I think it would still be a surprise. I think this is still a year where they're looking to develop guys, add a little more talent, add not just a little more talent, add a, add a lot more talent. And if it ends up being another losing season and you get another good draft pick out of it, so be it because the process is being served. So, you know, there's no rush for these guys. But when they get there, it's going to be just like last year. I, I know I was at the game, and Rick Hahn's mentioned this a few times. Yeah, I've never seen a crowd in Moncada's first at bat give a standing ovation for like a couple foul balls. And that's what happened. I think yeah, he ended up making it out in the first at bat. But people just kind of lost their mind the first time he got up there. And I'm sure it's going to be the same thing when Kopech makes his first start for the White Sox or when Jimenez is in his first game for the White Sox in the outfield. We're talking with Scott Merkin, White Sox reporter for MLB.com. Let's switch gears a little bit. Hall of Fame ballot has come out. Jim Tomey is on it. He hit his 500th career home run as a member of the White Sox and had a great impact with the team from all accounts over his three-plus years there in Chicago. Is Tomey pretty much a shoe-in in your eyes to get into Cooperstown? Well, I think it's easier for me to talk about it because I, I do not have a vote yet this year since I haven't been part of the – I've covered the team for – this is my 16th year, but I've only been part of the BBWA for a few years. So I, I think he's in. I, I mean, I, I think he's an absolute first ballot player. I think he's a first ballot person, first of all. People always ask me, you know, hey, you know Jim Tomey. Is he a nice guy as he seems? And I'm like, actually, he's even nicer than he seems if that's possible. <laughs> And I think that, you know, may play a role for some people who are – I don't really know how you can be on the fence, though, with a guy who's, what, one of nine players in baseball history to hit over 600 home runs, his, his on-base percentage, his uh, hits, his RBIs, his runs scored, everything he meant to that great Cleveland dynasty that they had. And then, you know, he's still doing it, as you said, with the White Sox, and he's part of the front office now, and he's done a great job, you know, helping young – I know they're not voting people in on what he's doing now, but – I think he's got to be a first ballot guy. I think this could be actually, you know, you look at the ballot and could be a, a really great class of four or five, you know, legendary players in there. The one guy who I'm interested in, Darwin, I don't know what you think about him, is he played one season for the Sox as Andrew Jones. You know, he when he was at his peak, he was as good as anyone in the outfield that I've seen. And that, now I haven't seen everyone in the history of the game, but I realize he'll be penalized maybe a little bit for his late, you know, played struggles and all that, but boy, he was, he was a pretty, he, he had some hall of fame numbers at his peak, I would say. Oh yeah. No, I, to me, to me, he's a guy that should be in, but I'm always someone who looks at, if you have a five-year window where you're one of the top three players in the game, right. then that, that should mean something more than the twilight of your career, maybe not going the way you wanted it to go. So to me, that's yeah, a good Jones, point. Yeah. And, and that's again, when you say, you talk about Jim Tomey, you know, his window was even bigger than that. So I, yeah, I, I think Jim. I think they're going to be celebrating Jim's uh, induction come January. Absolutely. And before we wrap up here, Scott, um, the off season so much has talked about trades and and money and free agency. Sometimes we forget to focus on the great things organizations and, and particular players are doing in the community uh, with charity work. Um, one of the things the White Sox are doing that you wrote about is they've teamed up with this Curate Comedy event, a uh, unique way of raising money to support cancer patients and their families. Uh, the third annual event, I believe, um, took place. You wrote about it. Tell us a little bit more about what the White Sox have done there. Yeah, first of all, great comedy that night. But it, it centers more on uh, uh, family Pat McGann and Sarah McGann. And some people across the country may know Pat at this point because Pat's been on uh, Stephen Colbert's show. He's open for Sebastian, I think you pronounce the name, Manicoso. Um, and I've heard from people after I wrote that story, and that story was you know, published, that they've seen him around the country and think he's hilarious. And he's a funny guy and a great guy. And their son, has, Elliot, unfortunately, has been battling leukemia. He's in a good place now. 
from, you know, a kind of, I don't want to say dire, but a very serious spot when he first was diagnosed in 18 months. And they've developed this fundraiser and past association with the White Sox. He also does a podcast for the team called The Cycle. And he also helps at SoxFest. And it is just there at the ballpark and does some stuff with them. So they've, you know, kind of worked in conjunction with him. But I think it's more Pat and his wife, Sarah, that have, and the, in the Chicago comedy community, have kind of spearheaded this event. And they raised about $25,000, I think, on that Sunday night alone. So wow. is it it was a great event, and as his wife said, it was good to tackle kind of a serious, tough subject with a little humor at times. Absolutely. Um, well said, Scott, and we appreciate the time. As always, great stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you again uh, very soon. Okay, thanks, Darwin. appreciate it. Absolutely. That was Scott Merkin, and I'm Darwin Zook. Thanks for tuning in on MLB.com Extras. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.